Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Aspire and Inquire. Today, as always, we have another amazing guest on the show, and today we have our first repeat guest. I am very excited to welcome back to the show, Tim Murray. Tim, how are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here, Ben. Really, really excited to have you back on. So to give a brief introduction of, of Tim, now you can go see the more detailed introduction as well as a lot more on Tim's entire career in our previous episode. I don't have the number on hand, but you'll very easily be able to find it. It was an amazing interview and I'm sure you will enjoy it if you haven't already listened. But this episode, we are going to speak about his new book that he wrote, which is very exciting. So just to give a brief introduction, uh, Tim was the former CEO of Alba, a company based in Bahrain in the Middle East. Um, and he's now the he is the current CEO at Cardinal Virtues Consulting, as well as, of course, now an author, which is amazing. And he, he has his new book here, which I have in hand called Words of Wisdom. So, Tim, really, really excited to speak about this with you. No, I'm good. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, and again, thank you for having me again. Uh, as you mentioned, I just recently uh, published my book uh, called CEO Words of Wisdoms or the, or the Wows for short. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here and try and, you know, just you know, talk about, you know, the book itself, what's in it, what I'm trying to achieve and, and basically the lessons for your, for your audience. Amazing. Yeah, I read it myself. There are a ton of really actionable things in here, which I've been trying to implement into this podcast. Like anyone can say something, but if you say something or, or write something that's actionable, people actually take interest because they can do something about what you say. So I appreciate you actually putting actionable content in this book. So I think a great place to start is talking about why, why did you write this book? What was the main goal? So last year when I finished my career at Alba, so again, as you mentioned that your previous podcast will, will give a good summary of that. But anyway, I, I was living overseas. I was there for 12 years. Uh, and the last seven of which I was the CEO of uh, Aluminium Bahrain, which is, it's a giant smelter. So it's the largest uh, aluminium smelter or aluminum, as we say in this part of the world, uh, outside of China. So they produce 1.5 million tons. Uh, in terms of revenue, it's about $3 billion. And if you look at the company, it's about 12% of the GDP of Bahrain. And you have about 4,000 people who work there. So it's a huge company. So anyway, I finished my career. Great, great experience. A uh, great place to live. I talk about it in the book about what a great place it was to live in Bahrain in the Middle East. Uh, unfortunately, the Middle East gets uh, kind of a bad rap from our media and there's a lot of negative attention on, on the Middle East. And, and really, I think it's it's complete opposite. It was probably the best place I lived, the most friendly people, welcoming place. So so when I retired, so I'm a very big reader, as Ben knows. I've, I've sent Ben a few books. I think he was surprised. This was not my books, other books that I read. So I'm a very big reader. I probably read two to three books a month. Uh, a very much a big reader. Uh, and I wasn't always a big reader, by the way. It wasn't until my mid-30s that I actually started to read again, actually, when I did my uh, MBA, when I was forced to read, because most of us don't read. So so I've had many people always ask me, why don't you write a book? Because I give people many books uh, being a reader. So I, I like to hand out books. And so when I you know stepped down from Alba, I retired from my company. Okay, I set up this consulting company. I took a few months off, didn't really do anything. And then in the beginning of the year, I, you know, I started to work on it just a little bit. And then, of course, we had the COVID. Okay, we've had the COVID, the great COVID pandemic of 2020. Uh, so that, uh, 
you know, and, and in the COVID, we've had winners and losers, right? So the winner for me is that I got this book done because I don't think I would have allocated the time otherwise. Um, mm. So I had several months of a lot of time on my hand, not traveling in my house. So I really focused on the book. I probably started it in, you know, probably Feb, March is when I first started it. And then obviously with the COVID and being in lockdown, I really accelerated. So I finished up my draft uh, in August got it with the publisher, you know, went through all the mechanics of that. It was quite a learning experience in terms of publishing a book. So could write a book on that as well. Anyway, uh, so I finished it up and I published it uh, towards the end of September. Actually, we got it out there. Um, so anyway, so what I wanted to do with the book was really I wanted to share the lessons I learned as being a CEO. Uh, and the other objective is I wanted to make it very simple. So Ben has read it. Uh, ben, would you say it's a, a very simple book to read? Simple, straightforward, but there's so much packed into it. And that's that was my objective because my experience when you give somebody a book, I could tell immediately by the look in their eyes that if they're going to read it or not. And I would say in most cases, they're not going to read it. They look at it, oh, that's too thick. And, and they, they take the book and they'll say, thank you very much. And they'll put it on the shelf. So my book is ultra simple. It's probably a two hour, two or three hour read for most people. It is 12 short stories. So so the wows, the, the history of the wows, so I call them words of wisdom wows, my former uh, public relations department, they put together lots of campaigns, lots of media, lots of activities. So I have a lot of sayings that I use, which are these wows. Some of them aren't mine. Uh, you, you'll recognize them like you never get a second chance for a first, first impression, perception is reality. Um, but things like that are the wows. You know, best communication is direct communication. So anyway, they created these into bookmarks. So I have little bookmarks that are my wows bookmarks. Uh, they're actually in the book. You can see a picture of them. Um, they're also on my website. If you go to my website, which is cardvirtues.com, there's lots of information about it. Um, so anyway, so that's the basis of the book. So I took the best of the best wows because I have a lot of wows. Uh, so I have 12 of them. Then I link them to a real story in my career. So all what's in the book are 12 stories from my career. Uh, the ones I think that are probably one of the most entertaining and also two of the most that you can have takeaways from uh, in terms of your career. I tailored the book. Again, it's very simple. If you look at the chapters, again, you got three, four, five pages. Uh, there's a story that goes with it. What is the wow? And then at the end of every chapter, I have takeaway section with three or four takeaways. And, you know, basically, what does this mean for me? So uh, and I think if you look at the book, you know, the book, anybody from, I would say, even high school to college, all the way to CEO could read this. And I think they would find good advice. And, and Ben, you've read the book, so I'll let you, you know, I'll throw it back to you on, on, on some of those comments and what you think. Yeah, so going back to the fact that it's a short read, it was a really interesting decision by you because when books have gotten recommended to me in the past or I've recommended books to others, if it is over a certain length, I don't know what that threshold is, but people do mental calculations where it's like, all right, is this really worth my time because it's a long book? You took the very interesting perspective of making it straightforward to, um, to the point, didn't add any, any unnecessary fluff, which I think is the best way to do it. And I didn't even have to take a second thought when, when I got the book and I said, oh, okay, well, first of all, of course I was going to read it because you want to um, I consider you one of my mentors and someone who's sent me a couple books already. So the, if, if you're someone who's sending, taking the time to send over a book, I mean, that that's really meaningful to me personally. I assume if everyone else that you have sent to 
has at least at the at the very least given you the common decency to read the book. I mean, my God, I hope. But you hope, uh, you hope. But but as you said, if it's if it's too big, you're exactly right. They do the calculation. They say. Uh, that's too much work. And, and then they just put it on the shelf. And what's interesting, you're missing the opportunity because as you said, when you give a book, it's an appreciation because it's not a gift most people give. And you say, hey, you know what? It's and it's it's always I always give something I've read, something of meaning, something I think is tailored to you. So when I first met you, Ben, um, you know, you were a Susquehanna guy and a younger guy. So I sent you a couple, you know, kind of we'll say motivational type books for somebody younger in their career. So when I would give them, I would really try and make it for a reason. I, the book I gave you was something that was good for you. But even with that, it's, it's you know, the, the first reaction is, uh, it's like a cringe. It's like homework. Oh, I have to read a book. And so again, the book that, I, you know, my book, again, I made it ultra simple. Uh, again, I think you'll enjoy it. It's 12 short stories. Uh, again, I think for average person, two to three hour read. Uh, and like I said, you'll pick it up. You'll say, oh, this is nothing. I can read this. Uh, and that's what I want you to feel versus... You pick it up and say, oh, no, this one, no, forget it. This is too much. It's it's very interesting to try to grab people's attention. You need a lot to capture someone's attention. So that's one point. And the second point I want to make is, I saw this quote somewhere. You're, if you buy a book, you are literally getting someone's best advice or stories for, for an unbelievably small amount of money considering the fact of like what knowledge is being ingrained in these pages that's being shown to you the fact that you just buy a book and it has all this information that's a lot of it's invaluable you can't really price any a lot of the knowledge in these books that that people take the time to try to give out to the world um when, when you think about that it's like people are writing something that is invaluable to you and forget a, uh, not just books. This can be podcasts. This can be movies, all these things. They want to display some sort of information, some sort of knowledge. So you displaying some of the highest, the most important words of wisdom after you're of course the CEO of a massive company, the fact that people wouldn't spend the time to read this, especially given how, how straight and to the point it is, it, it's amazing that people don't take advantage of this more. And, and I think you're right. When you, when you think about it, like take my case. Okay. I, you know, this, this book, it took, like I said, it was, it was painful to do, you know, to gather all my thoughts, to think through my career. What is the best story? What can people take away? I, I really do want people to walk away from every single chapter. You know, I got 20 plus years of experience. I've traveled around the world and you'll see in the book. I mean, I go back from when I was a child uh, I have a nice story about there about my grandfather, who was a big impact on my life, all the way up through, uh, you know, my, my career at Alba. Uh, and I took the best of the best, you know, tried to make it concise, crisp, uh, clear takeaway. So like you said, you know, in, in the book, okay, the book is ten ninety nine for the hard copy and uh, five ninety nine for the ebook. So uh, that's a, you know, the five ninety nine. That's a, that's what you're spending at Starbucks to get your latte, correct? So, um, right. you know, so that's 20 years of experience for the price of a latte. So I think it's a good bang for the buck. <laughs> exactly. That, that's exactly. You proved my point right there. And it's, it's just, it's really interesting. Um, and, and you briefly said you wanted readers to take something away from each chapter. If someone read the book, what is the one thing that you'd want them to take away over anything else? Well, before I jump to the one thing, I'll, I'm going to quickly go through this, these 12 words of wisdom very quickly. Then we'll jump to my favorite one. So 
Because again, it's simple. So, so, so for chapter one, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. This is a very big one, huge one. Most people miss this. Uh, and this goes from a job interview to going to college, to meeting your girlfriend, your parents, uh, their parents, coaching, sports, whatever you're doing. You know, whenever you meet somebody, you know, that first impression sticks and it's very hard to change it. So, so whatever you're doing, always be prepared to make a good impression. My second one is you can always do more than you think. Okay, this one I talk a little bit about my experience of doing, I did an MBA while I worked. Uh, uh, and my main takeaway here is that most of us, we always hold back a little bit. You know, when we set a goal or an objective, we always want to achieve it. Okay, this is human nature. But, you know, the reality is you can usually achieve a little bit more if you're pushed out of your comfort zone. And, and I believe, you know, if you're not pushed to the limit, you don't really know your limits. So I have... The next one, success, chapter three, is where uh, success is where preparation and opportunity meet. This is a quote uh, by race car driver Bobby Unser. Uh, it's a great one because I believe one of the biggest reasons I'm successful is I'm always prepared. And so when you're prepared, when that opportunity comes and you never know when that opportunity is going to come, you're ready to seize it. So it's a nice one about always being prepared. Uh, next chapter, perception is reality. And then I have parentheses, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Because people hear this saying, and you'll say, it's not fair. I don't like it. That's not who I am. Well, that's that's the perception and it sticks. And so uh, and, and early in my career, I had a perception. I was a bean counter. I was an accounting guy. Uh, I didn't like it. Uh, and I wanted to move into more kind of business management, general management. That's why I did my MBA. Highly recommend uh, people to do an MBA, but work a few years before you do it. Uh, next one, tomorrow will be different than today. So this kind of the takeaway is, Think about what can happen and this totally change the world. And we have the perfect example with the COVID. You know, if you go back to February, the world was doing great. The economy was cooking along. Everything was wonderful. And then in March, we shut down the whole world. You talk about tomorrow will be different than today. I think the COVID, and I talk about that a little bit in the book. Uh, great example. Uh, my next one is one of my favorites. What makes you successful at one level is not what makes you successful at the le- next level. And so this is very important. So you know, when you move up from being, say I was an accountant and then I moved into a manager role. So what made me successful as an accountant doesn't make me successful as a manager. Uh, And this is a tough lesson to learn. uh, And it's one that a lot of people make mistakes when they hire people because they'll look at them in their existing job and say, wow, he's a great technical guy. We want to make him engineering manager. All right. Being a great technical guy and being a great manager are very, very different skill sets. Uh, And this is one that I think a lot of people miss. So and when you get promoted, you know, you personally, you're going up the chain, up the ladder. Remember this. So, you know, again, what made you the good accounting it didn't make me a good controller, didn't make me a good CFO, didn't make me a good CEO. Each level is a little bit different. Uh, make decisions as if, it, if it's your own personal money. Okay, this sounds like a simple one, uh, but I can tell you in my experience in the business world, particularly in big corporate <laughs> worlds, people really don't look at this. And, and I used to challenge people when they would come to my office, I would say, hey, you know, if this was your own money, would you do it? And they'd look at me like, why are you asking me that question? And I'd say, if it was your money, would you do it? And most of the time they would hesitate and say, no, I don't know. And I'm like, well, then why are you asking me to approve it? Hmm. Uh, okay, after a while, they learned that trick. But I mean, that's a really powerful one. And I hate to say it, most people don't do it. Uh, chapter eight, best communication is direct communication. This is also one of my top ones. I'm a big believer in communication. I believe the higher up you go, the more critical this is. If you want to be a good leader, you have to be a good communicator. Uh, and take today in the COVID world, all the communications, everything that's coming out. You know, if you're not communicating as the leader of a company or a university, or even take you know, Donald Trump, president of the United States, 
how you're communicating messages, this is critical, uh, particularly when you're in a crisis environment, you really, really, really have to communicate well. Uh, next one, never hire or promote someone you are not willing to terminate later. This is a very harsh one, uh, probably the toughest story in the book, but you know, really when you're the boss, you know, you really got to think about, and the story I talk about is I actually talk about, I work for a small business and there was a relationship where the owner, the CFO was uh, his sister-in-law. So the, the CFO was, you know, his, his wife was the sister of the CFO. And basically the takeaway was, you know, there was performance issues. <laughs> he couldn't get rid of her because she was part of the family. And so I remember this was my very first job, by the way. He gave me this advice when I left. He said, listen, he said, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're in the boss and you're making these decisions, if you don't think you're going to be able to fire or terminate that person that you're hiring or promoting, don't put them in there because business is business and you don't want to have your hands tied and be in a position where you can't get rid of somebody. So it was a very valuable lesson I learned. My very first job, I, I really didn't realize how important it was until later in life, but it was a great lesson. Uh, chapter 10, treat all feedback as a gift. Okay, feedback. Feedback is a wonderful thing. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to give and receive. Uh, it's a great buzzword today. Everybody talks about feedback and give me feedback and I want feedback. And it is critical. Uh, it's very critical to your development. But again, how you get it, who you get it from, and even finding people willing to do it is hard. Uh, people don't like to give feedback. One, you know, maybe they don't feel it's their job. Maybe two, they're too busy. Maybe three, they don't want to give you feedback because they don't want you to take their job. Uh, there's lots of reasons. So when you find those kind of those coaches and mentors that are going to give you the feedback, and I talk about this in the book, um, you know, when you find these coaches and mentors, you know, you got to go find them. Don't, don't think they're just going to come and knock on your door and say, hey, Ben, you know, I, I heard you're a good guy. I want to coach you. Uh, it doesn't work like that. You know, if you're lucky, lucky enough to find them, uh, embrace them, follow up with them. Uh, and, and, and number one, thank them because, you know, you're not getting paid extra to coach and mentor people. Uh, last two, plan your work, work your plan. This was my grandfather saying. This is a story about my uh, maternal uh, grandfather. His, his nickname was Papa. Uh, super organized guy, had a plan of the day every day, he called it plan of the day. Uh, and, and he would just say it all the time, plan your work, work your plan, plan your work, work your plan. So I'm a very big planner. I love to use post-it notes. I talk about my use of post-it notes and how I remind myself and organize myself with the simple post-it notes uh, in terms of keeping myself on task. And my last but not least, uh, coaching is a gift that must be returned. So back to the point about coaching and mentoring. So when you when you get that gift of somebody coaching you, again, remember, they're not getting paid extra for it. It's a lot of extra work for them. Uh, in most companies, it's really not uh, part of the job description. Everybody will say it is, but the reality is when you get somebody to actually spend the time with you to coach you, also to be tough with you, uh, my experience, your toughest coaches are your best coaches. Uh, this goes for me, whether it was from sports. I'm a big sports guy. I played sports my whole you know, career uh, into university. Uh, but again, I think getting those coaches and tough coaches, and you may not agree with them, and even, even some of my best coaches I look back, guys I didn't like, uh, they were good coaches. They made me better. And so when, when you have people being tough with you, you know, take that feedback, take that tough love. Um, you know, sometimes you may not agree with it. But, but again, if you get coached by somebody and somebody really puts that time and effort into you, your job is to pay it forward later. And so when it's your turn to coach and mentor somebody, don't tell me you don't have time or you're too busy or uh, that's not my job. Um, you know, you need to stay focused and, you know, give back and, and share that. So those are kind of the 12 words of wisdom. Again, 
sounds a bit long, but again, they're very short stories, nice takeaways. So you'll have a story. Uh, there's again, there's a, there's a, there's a words of wisdom. There's a little quote, and then there's the story and then there's some takeaways and, and that's kind of the book. So, but if I go back to your question, one of my favorite ones, I would say, uh, if I'm saying from a leadership point of view, I would say the best communication is direct communication. I think, uh, particularly when you're higher up in an organization, this is absolutely critical. If you want to be a successful leader, you have to be a successful communicator. Uh, in terms of a career one, uh, I got some good ones in there, but I, I would probably say what makes you successful at one level is not what makes you successful at the next, because this is a big pitfall. You know, again, you get promoted up the chain. You you were a great accountant or engineer or you know technician, whatever it is. You know, you think, oh, because I was good at that, I'm going to automatically be a good manager. I'm going to be a good executive. I'm going to be a good CEO. It's not the case. And so you you have to realize this. So you have to change your mindset. You got to shift it to whatever role you're going into. And then when you're you're in those decision, you know, the chair making the decisions about hiring and firing people. Uh, you really need to look at people that way and say, do they fit the position? You know, the, the, the person, the, you know, the, the position, they have to fit the position. It's not the other way around. And so when you look at somebody and say, oh, well, he's a great, again, he's a great engineer. You know, I think he'll be a good engineering manager. All right, go lay out the criteria for a good engineering manager and then put that on top of this guy. Does he fit it? Okay, some, you know, sometimes you won't know, but uh, this is a big pitfall I see when you hire people. You always look at them at their existing position. Are they good? And then the reality is you put them in another position, another level, you know, again, higher level management. It's a totally different skill set, totally different skill set. And so this is a big pitfall uh, from one, from this, the point of view of a person who's doing the hiring. And then when you get hired, because again, your ego is saying, hey, you're a, you're a great guy. I talk about it in the book. When I became CEO, I was a very good CFO. Okay. So I got promoted. I'm now the CEO. So of course, my ego is saying, hey, you're a great guy. You know, you got promoted to the CEO. You're only age 41. And you must be really good. You know, I can tell you there's a huge difference from being a CFO to a CEO. When you're the CEO, you know, you're in charge, you know, the buck stops here. There's nobody to go say, talk to, or, hey, go down to the corner office and see what the CEO thinks. No, you're the CEO. You know, you got to make the decisions. You're accountable. Uh, and the board of directors, you know, they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to say, here's the company's performance. Mr. CEO, Mrs. CEO, how did you do? Uh, and, you know, if you didn't perform well, uh, they're going to hold you accountable. Nobody else is going to be in the room. You know, they're going to close the, you'll have the closed door meeting at the end of the year to review your performance and talk about bonuses and all those things. And, you know, if you didn't perform, uh, for sure, you're not going to get a bonus and there's a good chance you might get replaced. And, and this may or may not be a question you've received. Is there a reason why you ordered them in the way you did as in the words of wisdom? Yeah, they are a bit in chronological, they're a bit both chronological order uh, so kind of, it's kind of how I progressed through my career. Not exactly. Um, but it, there is a progression of kind of, if you, if you look in the beginning, it talks about one of, how I got one of my first jobs. Then it talks about how did I come to Bahrain? It talks about how did I deal with, you know, living in Bahrain and the transition there it talks about how did I get promoted? Uh, and then, you know, then some good stories about being the CEO. Cause again, Really, when you're the CEO, it's, it's hard to explain it because I can tell you, when, when I got promoted, prior to that, I had done all the executive positions. I had been the CFO. I had been the chief marketing officer. I had been the chief purchasing officer. I was familiar with the whole operation. you know. So I really knew the company. And so when I got into the chair, I'm like, yeah, okay, and now I'm CEO. You know, I, I know everything about the company. I knew everything about the industry. 
but I can tell you like the, the level of stress that this, you know, because you know, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulder because you're in charge, you know, and I, I talk in the book, we had some, some issues with safety. You know, we were having some fatalities in the plant. These are horrible things, you know, and you're the CEO and you're getting a call that, Hey, one of your workers died. You know, that's not a call you want. I can tell you, um, you know, and you have trouble sleeping at night. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so so yeah, so the book, it, I would say it is mostly chronological, but also there is some links in terms of career progression um, and the stories as CEO, which I think are, you know, takeaways. And they're takeaways for any level that you're in your career, by the way. You, know, you don't have to be a CEO to appreciate the book. I, I, I think, really, I think uh, college students, I have my students in my, and I, I'm an adjunct at, at Susquehanna, so there I'm teaching a class about what is it like to be a CEO. This is one of the required readings. Uh, and I think if you read it, you know, it's very applicable to, hey, I'm entering the job market. How do I prepare for an interview or how do I impress somebody or how do I get that first job or how do I get that promotion? So so again, I think it's it really can be applied to all levels of your career. That's amazing. Definitely. And uh, I definitely want to ask about how it was going through the entire process of writing the book, publishing getting a cover how, how what was the biggest takeaway oh good question very good question so uh, number one uh, being disciplined to write it uh, because okay it's my book right and I'm on my own schedule so I'm not like you know I'm not like at work punching the clock coming in so so I had to dedicate the time to do it sit down uh, you know and you're busy you're doing stuff again the COVID kind of forced to that opportunity but being disciplined to spend you know I was spending probably two three hours a day for a few months going through it, writing it down. And I found writing, you know, and I'm a big reader. I mean, I'm a power reader, but to write, uh, it's a different skill set, uh, you know, and, and to write down what you're thinking and have the proper flow and have the proper context. I can tell you when the editor got my book, uh, I mean, I mean, he chopped 20% from the book. I mean, I was very verbose. I had a lot of, you know, bad English, extra English, didn't need this, you know, cut this, combine this. So, so being self-disciplined to, you know, allocate the time, one. Uh, okay, then going through the publishing process. So I self-published. So I went through a company called iUniverse. Um, so it's kind of you do a lot. They, you know, you, you pay them a fee. They help you through the process. And, you know, so it's it's cheaper, easier than going through getting somebody to publish you because I'm an unknown. So, you know, obviously the big publishers aren't really going to pick me up. Maybe for maybe for WoWs 2.0. But uh, mm-hmm. so, so going through that process, you know, there's a lot of legalese. Uh, contracts you have to sign, documents you have to sign, uh, you know, just the whole process. The cover, very good question on the cover. So the cover, you'll see my cover is is very uh, uh, artistic. Would you agree, Ben? Do you like the cover? I do like the cover. Absolutely. Yeah. So the cover, all right, my uh, publisher did not do this. The cover they gave me was very, uh, <laughs> let's say very vanilla. So I actually had a friend who introduced me to a graphic designer called Dellen Design. Uh, they're based out of Providence. Uh, and Eric Dellen is the owner of it. So I worked with him uh, to design this. And so I hired, this was a separate fee, uh, well worth the money. Uh, and I can tell you graphic designers, they really think differently than people like you and I. Um, and so their view, and you know, I, I sent him the book, he read the book, you know, he had my bookmarks. You know, he really conceptualized what I wanted to have. So on the cover of the book, I have a picture of a, a cardinal who's spreading their wings, kind of like protecting you. Uh, I have the wows. Uh, you know, the design of the words of wisdom, it links back to the bookmark. Uh, the back cover, I got a nice little quote from one of my uh, 
good friends, Mark Magnaca. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. He helped me a lot with the book. He's also an author. Um, so his quote on the book, I'll read it to you. It's on the back. It says, the wows deliver practical life lessons, which help, which help you survive and thrive in the post-COVID world. So, because uh, I think a lot of these lessons can really be applied to what's going on today. So I, I kind of timed the launch to go with, you know, as we kind of are re-emerging from the COVID world. So again, the, the cover, a lot of time on the cover. Uh, again, when you see it, I think it's it's you know, very soft on the eyes. It catches your attention. And this is a big part of getting a book. <laughs> when you think about it, you get a book, if the cover is not good, for sure you're not going to read it. <laughs> I mean, so, so you really, really want to get the cover right. So I mean, I had a lot of iterations with uh, Eric and back and forth, and they were really great to work with. And uh, you know, I think it ended up came out really good. But really, you want that cover. It's got to be eye-catching. It's got to, yeah, I don't want to read this one. This one looks good, you know? And uh, so we spent a lot of time on the cover. Then we got it all together. Okay, then you got to go through the final sign-off process and the printing process. How do you handle this? How do you distribute it? Getting it on Amazon, uh, things like that. So it is on Amazon. If you go to Amazon and just type in Tim Murray, CEO, Words of Wisdom, uh, it will pop up. I got a few reviews out there. So if you get the book and you read it, uh, please leave a review. Um, Again, all feedback is a gift. Uh, because that's really the platform, uh, the way my publisher put it in terms of, you know, everybody goes to Amazon. It's just the easy thing. And it's, you know, everybody's out there. Uh, so I'm pushing it through that. I'm pushing it through yourself. Podcasts. Uh, uh, I did a radio interview last week on uh, it was a local radio station in, in Pennsylvania near the, the university, WKOK. So, yeah, so I'm just you know trying to get it out there. But again, the process, it was a learning process. I mean, it was something I had not done. Far better for doing it. I think if I do another book, if I do Wow's 2.0, I'll be I'll be far more efficient. Uh, because really, when you haven't done it, you know, you're doing it by yourself. Imagine we're in the COVID times. You know, you struggle, you fumble. It, it, it was frustrating. I, I got very frustrated at times. Uh, but again, you know, I, I pushed through it. Uh, I am a very self-disciplined, self-motivated person. Uh, and you know, kind of once I start something, I will finish it. I mean, that's you know, that's you can take that to the bank. So. Uh, so anyway, I got it done and I'm glad I did it. Again, it was a good learning lesson for me. And, and again, I hope to take those lessons and like you said, you know, we'll, we'll do, there'll be a WOWS 2.0 at some point. Already looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I think for, for the cover, you, I think, for, I think I learned this back in psychology a while back. Hope any psychology majors or, or professionals don't quote me on this. It just makes sense. And I think I remember hearing this. Um, red catches the eye. I believe better than any other color. So that you got that massive cardinal right on there. You that's uh, right. You have a much better chance of people at least paying attention to. Yeah, they'll take a look at it. I think they'll look at it and say, hmm, "That's interesting." And and so, like I said, spent a lot of time on the cover. The, the guys at Dell and Design did did, did a really good job. Tim, is there anything else you would like to mention about uh, CEOs' words of wisdom? Uh, so anyway, I think I've done enough talking about the book per se, and probably the final takeaway that you'll find in the book, again, back to reading, because Ben knows I'm a big reader. So in the book, I talk about the importance of reading, because I think it's become a lost art today. You know, we're so overstimulated with, we have Facebook, we have Snapchat, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have ding, 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 we have podcasts. Um, you know, and I think we've forgotten about the importance of reading. Uh, and I'm a big reader, so in the book, I talk about... You know, at the end, I said, I want you to read 15 minutes a day. And okay, and this is also on my little bookmarks. And so when you look at 15 minutes a day, people say, I don't have time. That's the number. I don't have time. I said, okay. I said, what about 15 minutes? And then they'll say, 
hmm. And then I say, what percent of the day is 15 minutes? And 15 minutes is roughly 1% of the day. So there's 1,440 minutes in a day. You know, when you think about it, you got 1% of the day to spend a little time reading. Read whatever you want. I don't really care. Uh, you know, it really makes you think about it versus saying, I don't have time. Because, you know, I know for sure on our smartphones, and I'm included, iPhones, we waste so much time sifting, mm-hmm. sorting, chatting, posting. Uh, I mean, again, and when you read, you know, you can't do anything else, right? There's no multitasking. Uh, I read a very good book recently. It's called The One Thing and highly recommended. And it's all about, you know, setting priorities and goals, of course. But it, there's some really good chapters in the book about the evils of multitasking, how your brain doesn't function right, how you're less productive. And so you think you're multitasking and it's great, you know, but when you're multitasking, you're, you're dividing up your brain productivity. Uh, it's a very interesting book. One thing, highly recommend it. Uh, after you get my book, read my book first. Um, but in terms of that, that reading, I want you to read, and my advice is read 15 minutes before you go to bed. It'll clear your mind. You won't be thinking about everything, whether it's work or your wife or your girlfriend or your husband. Uh, and usually if you like what you're reading, it'll be more than 15 minutes because you really won't pay attention. So it's just more, it's more the discipline of saying every night, you know, I do it every night. Some nights I'm tired. Uh, I have an Amazon Kindle. I highly recommend getting a Kindle. Uh, again, it makes it very easy to read. $100. Uh, you can put hundreds of books on it. It's got a little backlight feature. You can adjust the fonts. It makes it so easy to read. Again, anywhere you are laying, you could be in bed, you could be traveling. You just pull it up. You can have hundreds of books. Uh, it really, really makes it easy. So make it easy. Remove the excuses. I mean, it's kind of like working out and going to the gym. Uh, but then once you get into the habit, the habit of reading, uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. Again, I didn't start reading again until I was in my mid-30s. I did not read. Uh, so when I did my MBA, I was forced to read. And then I started, kind of got into reading books. And I was traveling a bit more. So I always had a book in my bag. Uh, and that's kind of how I got into it. This was pre-Kindle. Now we have Kindle, so I don't have to have books in my bags. I have my Kindle. But uh, but again, Amazon Kindle, highly recommended. It. Uh, it really makes it easy to read. So I, wa- I want people to read. That's one of my other objectives of the book. That's another oh, tip. Yeah. Now, now I know two disciplined routines that you have. Assuming you follow Admiral McRaven's Make Your Bed Every Single Morning. Routine. I do it every single morning. Yep, the other book that you sent me. <laughs> yeah, another great book. Another yeah, Make Your Bed, highly recommend it. It's also a YouTube. It's a speech that uh, Admiral McRaven gave at the University of Texas. If you want to cheat, go ahead and cheat and watch the YouTube. But yeah, great. Ten little stories. And by the way, the Wow's book is 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 similar uh, to Make Your Bed. Yeah. Uh, very short stories, takeaways. I, I I took some lessons from Make Your Bed, and I do make my bed every morning. And if you ask my wife, I didn't do that for. Uh, probably 45 years so now I do so it's a great little book oh yeah absolutely Tim this was amazing great to hear your voice and catch up after it's been a few months now yeah um, yeah, I think it was pre-COVID right I mean we did it it was before the COVID it was in February yeah it wasn't too far it was right around there because I think I was teaching at Susquehanna I just had started my uh my class, which was in January, February, and it ended, my class ended like the first week of March, right before I, remember, I actually remember leaving the campus. And this is when all the COVID lockdowns were about to happen. I'm like, oh boy. So yeah, I think that's when it was. Amazing. Well, if you haven't checked out our first conversation, I highly recommend doing that. I'm going to link to the Amazon link for the book, your website, um, 
your LinkedIn. Everyone will be able to reach out to you and read the book as well. All right. I appreciate it. Again, all feedback is a gift. So give me your feedback. I would, I highly appreciate it. And you'll have my emails, contacts, just, you know, if you want to send me a question or any, anything you want to know, I'm happy to respond. Just again, my email again, Tim at card virtues, C-A-R-D-V-I-R-T-U-E-S.com. And, I, and the website is card virtues. It's also on there. So I'm, I'm, as Ben knows, I'm very quick on the email. Yes. Very quick. <laughs> I can <laughs> definitely say that. So uh, yes, I will link to all those people will be able to find you and your book quite easily. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. It was great. Great to catch up with you and uh, stay safe. Absolutely. You as well. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode and make sure to share this with your friends. If you haven't done it yet, give us a follow on Spotify and Instagram at aspire underscore inquire to take on this journey with us. That being said, stay tuned to next Thursday because you will not be disappointed. Peace.